you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Friday, July 24th, 2020. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, might Twitter have too many cooks in the kitchen to have decent OPSEC? Intel has to delay its next-gen chip process again. The U.S. unveiled official plans for a quantum internet. AT&T announced its nationwide 5G network is operational. And, of course, the weekend long-read suggestions. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. More details about the big Twitter hijacking. I think we speculated on the Weekend Bonus episode how many people inside Twitter might have been able to, you know, leave the barn door open, if financially induced to do so, if you will. Well, two former Twitter employees are saying that more than 1,000 Twitter staff and contractors had access to internal tools that could change account settings and ownership as recently as earlier this year a full thousand people. So yeah, that's a sizable threat vector to think about, quoting Reuters. The former employees familiar with Twitter security practices said that too many people could have done the same thing, more than 1,000 as of early in 2020, including some at contractors like Cognizant. Twitter declined to comment on that figure and would not say whether the number declined before the hack or since. The company was looking for a new security head, working to better secure its systems and training employees on resisting tricks from outsiders, Twitter said. Cognizant did not respond to a request for comment. That sounds like there are too many people with access, said Edward Amoroso, former chief security officer at AT AT&T. Responsibilities among the staff should have been split up with access rights limited to those responsibilities and more than one person required to agree to make the most sensitive account changes. In order to do cybersecurity right, you can't forget the boring stuff, he said, end quote. Intel has been forced to admit that it is delaying the rollout of its 7 nanometer CPUs by a further six months, which means Intel is now a full 12 months behind the company's original target for rolling out the 7 nanometer process. Quoting Tom's Hardware. On the earnings call, Intel CEO Bob Swan said the company had identified a defect mode in its 7 nanometer process that caused yield degradation issues. As a result, Intel has invested in contingency plans, which Swan later defined as including using third-party foundries. The company will also use external third-party foundries for its forthcoming 7 nanometer Pontevecchio GPUs, the company's first graphics chips. Portovecchio comes as a chipset-based design, and Swan clarified that production of some of the chiplets, or tiles, will be outsourced to third parties. Swan noted the GPUs will come in late 2021 or early 2022, portending a delay beyond the original schedule for a 2021 launch in the Exascale Aurora supercomputer. Intel's first 7-nanometer server CPUs, known as Granite Rapids, will arrive in 2023, which is later than listed in earlier roadmaps that projected a launch in 2022. 
That timeline is concerning in the face of AMD's continued execution with its Epic data center chips. AMD's roadmaps outline its 5-nanometer Genoa processors coming to market before the end of 2022. Swan also said that Intel's first 7-nanometer processors will debut for the client market, meaning chips targeting either desktop PCs or laptops. Intel's first 10-nanometer desktop CPUs, Alder Lake, will arrive in the second half of 2021. For perspective, rival foundry TSMC plans to be on the 3 nanometer node in the same time frame as Intel's new schedule for 7 nanometers, end quote. Somewhere on some internal Apple message board, lots of folks are posting the Michael Jackson eating popcorn animated GIF today. Quick note that that House antitrust hearing with all the big tech CEOs that was scheduled for Monday. That hearing is likely going to be postponed in order to allow lawmakers to attend Representative John Lewis's funeral. A source told Protocol that it is unclear when the hearing might be rescheduled for. The U.S. government has hatched a plan to build a quantum internet, which would exist alongside the current existing internet, but would use the laws of quantum mechanics to share information more securely. Quote, David Ashalom, a professor at the University of Chicago's Pritzker School of Molecular Engineering and senior scientist at Argonne National Laboratory, called the Internet Project a pillar of the nation's quantum research program. It's the birth of a new technology. It's becoming a global competition. Every major country on Earth has launched a quantum program because it is becoming clearer and clearer there will be big impacts, he said in an interview. The Energy Department and its 17 national labs will form the backbone of the project. How exactly the work will be funded isn't clear, however. The Energy Department did not announce a funding figure for the project on Thursday. Speaking to reporters Paul DeBar, the Energy Department's Undersecretary for Science, said the federal government invests about 500 to $700 million a year in quantum information technology, suggesting some of that money would fund the new internet. In an interview, DeBar said there would probably be further funding announcements for the project in the future, end quote. Right on schedule, at least for the anticipated launch of a 5G iPhone, AT&T has announced that its low-band 5G network is now fully operational and available to 205 million people, thus making its network, along with T-Mobile's, the first true nationwide 5G network in the U.S., turns out that the FCC defines a nationwide network as serving at least 200 million potential users, quoting CNET. In addition to expanding its 5G network, AT&T is also expanding its 5G access on August 7th to include its unlimited starter plan. The carrier previously limited 5G only to those who paid for its two priciest unlimited plans known as Unlimited Extra and Unlimited Elite. Those on Cricket, AT&T's prepaid brand, will be able to get 5G on August 21st, though they will need to have the Samsung Galaxy S20 Plus 5G phone. To get to nationwide status, AT&T says that it has turned on its low-band network in 40 new markets, including Minneapolis, San Antonio, Houston, and Jacksonville, Florida. The carrier now offers low-band 5G in 395 markets around the country. Low-band is one of three different flavors of 5G airwaves. While not much faster than a good 4G LTE connection, or what AT&T calls 5GE, it has the best range of the bunch. AT&T's other 5G network uses what is known 
as millimeter wave, a higher frequency technology that has much faster speeds but significantly weaker range and is largely only available on certain city blocks and can't work indoors. AT&T has deployed millimeter wave 5G, what it calls 5G+, in 35 cities around the country, end quote. This is almost exactly what a lot of people have been afraid of. Researchers say the Android version of the DJI Go 4, which has been installed more than a million times, covertly collected a range of sensitive user data and sent it to servers in mainland China, quoting Ars Technica. The app is used to control and collect near-real-time video and flight data from drones made by China-based DJI, the world's biggest maker of commercial drones. The Play Store shows it has more than 1 million downloads, but because of the way Google discloses numbers, the true number could be as high as 5 million. The app has a rating of 3.5 stars out of a possible total of 5 from more than 52,000 users. Among the suspicious activities researchers uncovered, the ability to download and install any application of the developer's choice through either a self-update feature or a dedicated installer in a software development kit provided by China-based social media platform Weibo. Both features could download code outside of play in violation of Google's terms. Also, a recently removed component that collected a wealth of phone data, including IMEI, IMSI, carrier name, SIM serial number, SD card information, OS language, kernel version, screen size and brightness, wireless network name, address, and Mac, and Bluetooth addresses. These details and more were sent to MobTech, maker of a software developer kit used until the most recent release of the app. Also, they detected automatic restarts whenever a user swiped the app to close it, and the restarts caused the app to run in the background and continue to make network requests. Finally, the researchers also detected advanced techniques that make third-party analysis of the app time-consuming. This month's reports come three years after the U.S. Army banned the use of DJI drones for reasons that remain classified. In January, the Interior Department grounded drones from DJI and other Chinese manufacturers out of concerns data could be sent back to the mainland, end quote. How do you make a password that's strong enough so no one will guess it, and it's impossible for you to forget, and do it for a hundred different sites, and make it so everyone in your company can do the same without ever needing to reset them? Sounds impossible unless you have one password. More than any other product I've ever told you about, I can vouch 1,000% for 1Password. I can't live without it. 1Password makes strong security easy for your people and gives you the visibility you need to take action when you need to. Any device, any time, 1Password lets you securely switch between iPhone, Android, Mac, and PC with convenient features like autofill for quick sign-ins. All you have to remember is the one strong account password that protects everything else. Your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. 1Password's award-winning password manager is trusted by millions of users and over 100,000 businesses from IBM to Slack. It beat out 40 other options to become Wirecutter's top pick for password managers. Right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at 1Password.com slash ride for your growing business. That's two free weeks at 1Password.com slash ride. Don't let security slow your business down. Go to 1Password.com slash ride. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. 
Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Time for the Weekend Long Read Suggestions. First up, I've actually been passing on doing stories about how all of the kids these days are on Robinhood, that trading platform, stock trading platform, trading Tesla stock all day long, and also increasingly trading options. But the folks on Wall Street and Finance Twitter that I follow have been on this boat big time for a while now. And I found two pieces that sort of sum up what I've seen to be the general consensus. In short, it's a little bit scary. Robinhood is increasingly moving the stock market. Stocks and day trading have gone viral again. It's sort of like the late 90s again in certain circles. Heck, some people have not exactly been whispering that that whole bubble in the Tesla stock price might be related to all the kids on Robinhood. So, first, I point you to this New York Times article that raises some of the red flags that people are talking about. Quote, in the first three months of 2020, Robinhood users traded nine times as many shares as E-Trade customers and 40 times as many shares as Charles Schwab customers per dollar in the average customer account in the most recent quarter. They also bought and sold 88 times as many risky options contracts as Schwab customers relative to the average account size, according to the analysis. The more often small investors trade stocks, the worse their returns are likely to be, studies have shown. The returns are even worse when they get involved with options, research has found, end quote. Yes, it's everyone trading options on Robinhood that is increasingly the big worry. Listen, I day traded myself back in the late 90s. That's how I earned the money to start my first business. I have, over the years, invested on margin. I've shorted companies. I've dabbled in currency trading. Heck, I've dabbled in crypto trading for a very brief period of time, but Even I have never messed with options. Options are complicated, and also they can really, really blow up in your face if you don't know what you're doing. There's a reason why some folks call options legalized gambling. But let's come back to that in a second. I also want to point you to the Margins newsletter, which I've suggested to you before, and note this brief summary about how Robinhood functions according to the Margins. I hadn't processed just how perfectly Robinhood has Silicon Valley-ified financial markets until I started writing this post. Robinhood is Facebook, is Google, is everything else. Just look at the story. Stanford, or insert other top-level school here, grads, head out to disrupt a market that genuinely needs to be disrupted. The great disruption is things will become free. Everything is couched in the language of democratization. The Robinhood founders even push the origin story that the idea was born amidst the Occupy Wall Street protests. As with most free products, the real business model is based on engagement. The more time you transact and interact on the platform, the more money the platform makes. The product is built to trigger every possible dopamine receptor in a user's brain. In the early years, terms like gamified UX are considered a positive. The company grows to an incredible size, and the founders and investors and lots of people working there get incredibly rich. We slowly start to see a litany of unintended consequences, but for the most part, it's too late, and the cultural impact has already taken place, end quote. That summary comes from Ranjan, who has feet in 
both Wall Street and Silicon Valley worlds. So let's come back to all the kids trading options on Robinhood. There's a whole explanation of order flow that you need to read the piece to really understand, to really grok how Robinhood makes its money. If you're offering free trading, you have to make your money somewhere. But the piece ends like this, quote, Let's remember that options are far more illiquid and opaque than standard equities. Opacity and illiquidity are two things that make market makers salivate, with visions of mile-wide bid-ask spreads dancing in their heads. And now combine that with an unsophisticated customer who is barely familiar with the pricing mechanics of the platform. You could not craft a more desirable scenario for Robinhood and everyone else in the trading supply chain. And I can't imagine it's a coincidence that the most potentially profitable product is the one being encouraged, end quote. In other words, kids, if you are trading options on Robinhood and you don't 100% know what you're doing, you're probably getting ripped off. Let's stick with economics for a second for the next piece. As rest of the world puts it, if you want to see an economy run on Facebook... You don't have to wait for Libra to maybe or maybe not catch on. Let me tell you what's happening in Bangladesh. In Bangladesh, there is no Amazon. There is no eBay. If you want to buy a dress or a crested finch parrot from the comfort of your home, you have to use Facebook. Quote, Kabir's story is reflective of how the majority of e-commerce now happens in Bangladesh. In the absence of giant online marketplaces like Amazon, thousands of bespoke Facebook pages and groups have been created to meet customer demand for ornaments, apparel, cosmetics, mobile accessories, and of course, birds. The phenomenon has grown so much over the years that the number of stores on Facebook now eclipses the number of sellers on local e-commerce websites like Ivali, Adric Deal, or the Alibaba-acquired Duraz. No one knows exactly how many of these businesses exist, but the most recent estimates suggest that Bangladesh has over 300,000. The low barriers to entry, all an aspiring entrepreneur needs, is an internet connection and around $350 to cover startup costs, present a tremendous opportunity for a generation of young Bangladeshis reeling from mass layoffs and fear of rising unemployment rates, which are projected to impact at least 15% of the working population. It also has opened other doors. In a country where just over 15% of women have mobile internet access, half of Facebook sellers are female, end quote. Now, a couple of COVID-era pieces. Marker takes a look at how the $299 Aura sleep tracking ring has become one of the hit products of the last few months used by everyone from the NBA to Vegas casinos. Folks are basically using the Aura ring to check for fevers. And yet, not even Aura itself knows if its product can actually help detect COVID or not. And The New Yorker looks at how Harvard's star computer science professor David Mallon has built a distance-learning computer science empire. Quote, Mallon's investment in virtual learning has transformed the way that students engage with the class at its home base, too. CS50 is one of Harvard College's most popular courses. It's also the only one that students can watch live in high definition from their dorms. In the past, Malin has encouraged them to do so, writing in a blog post from 2016 that it might well be, quote, a better educational experience to watch CS50's lectures online than attend them in person, end quote. Prioritizing remote teaching to such an extent is still a rarity among Harvard professors. Even Michael Sandel's Justice, another flagship Harvard lecture course whose online counterpart predates CS50 and was broadcast on PBS, 
has little of Maryland's technological infrastructure. In March, when the coronavirus pandemic forced universities across the country to migrate classes online, no more than 500 Harvard instructors had virtual teaching experience. The university's president, Lawrence Bacow, told me in an email, in a matter of days, however, the number jumped to about 3,000, the size of Harvard's entire teaching staff. Next, Vox takes a look at the case for and against banning TikTok and comes to the conclusion that the issue is not exactly black and white, no matter what angle you come at it from. One angle that I hadn't thought of but should have is the question, is banning TikTok just nativist trade protectionism by another name, i.e., would U.S. companies be the biggest beneficiary of any war on TikTok? I mean, the first time ever a non-U.S. social media empire emerges, it immediately gets knocked down to the benefit of the likes of Facebook and Google. But also there's this, quote, should the U.S. government ban TikTok, Sachs says, it would be, quote, an important step toward the U.S. government controlling the way that Americans use the internet, which is ironically a step toward Beijing's own cyber sovereignty, the very thing we've been railing against for years, end quote. And finally, a long-read weekend project combo. Let me introduce you to Randonauting. Quote, Randonauting is simple. You can do it using the free app Randonautica, which asks you for your location, prompts you to select one of a handful of different entropy generators, which when you choose should not really matter, and then asks you to focus your mind on your intent. Then it spits out a set of coordinates that could allegedly be influenced by your mind interacting with the machine or not, and you can choose to go there or not, and submit a report of what you find or not. You can generate 10 sets of coordinates a day for free and pay to generate more. The app's logo, fittingly, is an owl, because owls see in the dark. Randonauts see what other people don't. In particular, they see what they otherwise wouldn't. Randonautica launched in February and has mixed reviews on the App Store because it often crashes. Additionally, people who live near bodies of water tend to get coordinates that fall underwater, which can be frustrating. You have to pay for the privilege of excluding them. Randonautica was created by Joshua Langfelder a Texan and former circus performer who told me that the app once took him to an abandoned drum in the middle of the woods where he nearly stepped on a bright red rattlesnake. I didn't even know there were red rattlesnakes in Texas, he added, understandably, because there typically are not. Red rattlesnakes are also usually a rust color or just brown. According to the app's developers, Randonautica has been downloaded 8 million times, 6 million since the beginning of April. That's really when we started blowing up, Langerfelder said. People were trapped in their houses, and it gave them a way to break out of their normal routine. It's one of the few activities you can do while social distancing, but still stay safe, end quote. The allure of Randonautica is bigger than it allows me to be outdoors and kill time, however. It is janky looking, sure, and does not always load, and the science behind it, the idea that human thought can influence random number generators, does not make a lot of sense. But it plays with concepts that people tend to love that we can do something amazing whenever we feel like it, that the universe will talk to us if we try to listen, and that randomness can be tamed if we have a good attitude and a clear mind, end quote. So if you hear this soon after I post it, I will be on my way to Pennsylvania to pick up a puppy. After months of trying, I believe we have finally found the guy to make us once again into a beagle family. If all goes well, check my Twitter feed this weekend for cute puppy pics. No weekend bonus episode this weekend, not because of the puppy, but just because. So talk to you on Monday. Monday.